This episode brought to you in part by Special Tees Custom Printing. Visit special-tees.com. That's special-tees.com. Gypsy Cab Studios and the Nerd Camp Network present Camp Nightmare, a podcast for happy campers. There'll be fun, fiends, and ghosts. Maybe even a few murders. And of course, you're all invited. <laughs> Hello, campers. How do? It's JB. And I'm Jordan. Welcome back to Camp Nightmare. We got an extra special one for you today. My goodness, we do. This is uh, this is our coverage of the Tim Balm Q&A from yeah. Creature Feature Weekend. We're going to take you back in time, take you right back to that weekend that was just a few Short weeks it ago. Is the, it is the gift that keeps on giving, man. It really is. Today we're going to give you the audio that we recorded live on stage with actor Tim Baum, the star of Dead Alive or Brain Dead, depending on what part of the world you're listening from. So I actually, uh, I was talking to Matt Murphy about this last night. There's a whole thing. There's a whole story about why it's called Dead Alive in America. So Tell me. it came out the uh, after a movie had already come out in America called Brain Dead that had both Bill, Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman in it. Yeah, I know, I know that movie. Uh, so that movie had already come out, and event- originally Peter Jackson was going to release it as Brain Dead in America. He was going to move forward with that. He had zero money left. He literally mm-hmm. dumped his entire savings into making this movie. Right? It, look- it looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. So almost immediately, the makers of the American brain dead were like, cease and desist, we're going to take you to court. And Peter Jackson was like, I don't have the money to do that. Look at my big American dick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. So uh, I don't know how they landed on Dead Alive, but I know that it was because somebody who made a subpar movie first, <laughs> <coughs> looking at you, Meth Gators, um, <laughs> to sued them for, yeah. for the rights. Hey, uh, they both make sense in like only a vague sort of way, you know? Yeah. They really just give you the vibe. Like, I feel like you hear al- a movie like Dead Alive and you're like, I expect a lot of blood. Well, I mean, Dead Alive, I think to American audiences makes sense because we don't we don't do like innuendo or or <laughs> subtlety um, or uh, double entendre well. Right. Uh so like you need a title that's telling us what we're going to see, right? Like you're going to see some people that are dead and alive again. Y- you'll see some people who are dead. You'll see some people who are alive. Some of those alive people will become dead and some of those dead people will become alive. You will see it all, ladies there, and gentlemen. There is a reason that movies like Snakes on a Plane exist. <laughs> all right? Like, I'm tired of these motherfucking dead being a fucking alive. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, we had a lot of fun with Tim. I think you'll see the same way we saw. He's such a sweet dude. Yeah, he's uh, a treat very to, to, down to, to, to earth. talk with. Yeah, uh, And he was... So, we meet a lot of celebrities in, in, in our line of what we do. I mean, not a lot. But humble we meet, brag. Humble brag. I, I'm not trying to humble brag. I'm just saying we, we have been honored <laughs> yeah, to meet no, a lot of people that are more famous than us. We're very fortunate. Um, I can say, for the most part, like 80% of the people we've met have been super cool, super, yeah. uh, not dicks. Definitely. Um, but there's there's oftentimes a, a, a barrier that you can feel when mm-hmm. you meet these people. Where you're just like, okay, I'm the interviewer, you're the interviewee. Every now and then you get one like Tim Baum that, like, it's very much you're on the same playing field, right? Yeah. And, like, he remembered our names. Like, he more than one time after, before and after... The Q and A panel was like, "Hey, you guys are really good at what you do," and it's just—it's always feels good to hear another professional yeah. say that because it because it is rare uh, to get the follow up. Like you'll you'll yeah. you'll do the initial thing with them, you talk with them beforehand, 
but it's kind of rare that they'll follow up with you afterwards and be like, hey, yeah. thanks for doing that. And, you know, Tim was kind enough to do that with us. And, Dude, and- he caught me in the hallway. Or no, not in the hallway. I was in the celebrity room, and he, like, waved me over to the table. I was like, I just wanted to say again, like, thank yeah. you. You guys did a great job. Like, he's done this. Sean yeah. Whalen was kind enough to do oh, that. Vince Prost. Vincent Prost. So there's, you know, not to say that everyone hasn't been amazing, but it's always nice to see that. And Tim Baum yeah. is so down to earth. And I think a big part of that is because he's not... He's not like the guy on camera anymore as much. And as as you'll see when we talk to him on this panel, what he seems to most enjoy is writing. Yeah, and he's got a real passion for like being a hometown kid and like Yeah, definitely. and like promoting the New Zealand film scene, which is actually pretty, you know, I mean, yeah, which is actually yeah, I didn't realize the depth of like Yeah. how Peter Jackson has really built this. We kind of get into that. But either way, before we get into any of that, let's talk about what's new. Up first, god damn it, more bear news. Yeah, more bear movie I'm on news. this it's bear nothing, movie kick now. Yeah, but it's just nothing but like bear and shark news. Yeah, you know how there's this, there's god, this, there's one this. of those there's one of those manifestation books uh, out there. I forget which one it was because they're all the same. But there's one there's <laughs> one that's like talks about yellow butterflies and it's like think about yellow yellow butterflies and you'll manifest the yellow butterflies and you're like okay so am i manifesting them or am i just recognizing them more because i'm thinking about them all the no. time and that's how i feel about bear movies and shark movies now because i feel like i've been talking about shark movies and there's just a shit ton of them and now i'm getting into bear movies and like bear movie news is popping up on bloody disgusting it's i just don't know it's y'all yellow butterflies man maybe i'm manifesting this I you know? don't think so. I <laughs> think that I think that what's happening is what we see happen a lot in yeah. in genre film specifically, but in but in film in general is that somebody makes something super quirky and unique that just so happens to catch the zeitgeist in such a way that it takes off against all odds. You mean cocaine bear? Yes. Yes. And then the rest of Hollywood just scrambles to make as much of it as they can. Yeah. And uh, this is I want to point out. I'm going to definitively. That I'm this is what it. causes things like the year of bad remakes 2006 to happen all right this is what this is what makes that happen just so you guys know my favorite one i saw um i think it was my friend matt from key 13 posted it and it was a fake one on april fools and it was had a labrador retriever on the cover and it said meth lab (laughs) (laughs) you said it out loud and the asylum is always listening so like that'll be out tomorrow they've already stolen that idea from me in that moment It'll be out tomorrow. But uh, this movie, filmmaker Lucas Rinker, whose uh, debut film was called Holy Shit, with with an exclamation point, so I feel like I have to say it that way. Uh, he set his sights on his next movie, and it is a bear horror movie. It's a polar bear horror movie, all right, actually. All right, so at least there's some variation. Yeah, and uh, you know, you can. <laughs> it's going it to like, hit on the it, environmental level because it is about. I was going to uh, ask, is it like the super emaciated polar bear that we keep seeing that's just like, ah, haven't eaten in months? You know, he, I think this one's uh, fat. Full of environmentalists. So that photo of the emaciated polar bear—that's an—that's yeah. a polar bear coming. All right. So what they don't tell you about that shot is that someone caught a picture of a polar bear coming directly out of hibernation. Like that photo was taken minutes after it crawled out of its bear hole for the first time that season. So like, of course, it's emaciated. It's like I just got out of the pool. It shriveled. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's shrinkage. Is, I'm not usually like this. I, I swear. Was, was, the water was cold. <laughs> It was shrinkage, uh, and that's and we're talking about like ice cap shrinkage in this movie. Apparently, the plot is like some people get stuck on like an incre- a shrinking, melting ice cap area, and they're trapped there with the the polar bear that wants to eat the hell out of them. So, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. 
Bring it on, bear you guys, movies. You guys can't see this, but I'm doing the. I'm doing the. I have a teenager that I'm frustrated with. I rub. Yeah. Right now, I've literally lifted my glasses off of my eyes onto my brow, and I'm rubbing my eye. That's how he's, I feel about this movie. He's doing the Lauren Michaels uh, like, ta- forehead ta- eye rub. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. Talking about a famous oh. person that he knows. Uh, and up next on more movie news, uh, speaking of polar ice cap themed horror, <sighs> the director of the new Evil Dead Rise film, Lee Cronin, has picked his next project, and it also has to deal with a similar theme, but it's more of an aquatic themed horror film. And he describes this movie as taking place after the polar caps have already melted. And there's it's basically water world. Like there's I, very yeah, little. As, as I'm reading this description, yeah, that is my exact thought. It's like we've melted the caps. Bro, we tried this once, you it, know. It was bad. <laughs> like, but people appreciate really Waterworld now, I feel I like. I mean, listen. Maybe for being bad. I saw Waterworld in the theater, but yeah. I was like 13 or 14. So like I liked it. At 14, and yeah, there's some novelty to like Dennis Hopper coked out of his mind, covered in motor oil, and sure, smoking. Sure. sure. Yeah, By smoking. the way, that was the whole thing. Like, the dude's still covered in motor oil. Those people lived in constant danger. Like, <laughs> no one points that out about Waterworld that, like, they're literally always sitting on like tons of motor oil and smoking. Yeah, well, you got to get your fix. Why did you choose smoking as, like, your thing if you're the people who have all the oil? He's like, listen, I would stop, but I am hopelessly addicted, so So, I won't. So this Lee Cronin film is basically postmodern Waterworld. But wouldn't Waterworld be a little bit better if it was, like, a little less Mad Max and a little bit more, like, post-apocalyptic and monsters under the water? Yeah, and we're also in a different time in history right now where we're much closer to the possibility of an actual Waterworld, so, like, it's probably going to hit different. Yeah. I think it'll hit Waterworld maybe didn't hit in the 90s like it should have because we were still yeah. we still entertained the idea that we weren't going to end up there if we did things correctly. I mean they were st- they were going for Mad Max like fully. And it doesn't feel like this is going Mad Maxy. <laughs> it feels like it's going more like underwater or like Yeah, it like, feels like it's a combination of those. It yeah, feels totally. like it's it's Mad Max but with kaiju. But we, and and Waterworld setting. Yeah. You know what? Well, Waterworld was just Mad Max on the water. On the water, yeah. 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 So I'll blast again in movie news. Ty West's third film in his X trilogy, Max Zazine, reveals its cast. I actually am really excited about this. Um, Dude, I'm so I'm excited. I'm a little for this annoyed movie. that like it took him to the third one for a- other actors to be like, oh, I got to get in on this train. Right? Like, but it is a stacked fucking cast. And, and the ca- so who they've announced is they've said, obviously, Mia Goth, because it is not an X movie if Mia Goth's not playing at least one character. Well, yeah, she's Maxine. And uh, we've added Kevin Bacon to the as mix. As a private detective. And we've added Giancarlo Esposito. As a, like, s- soft pimp slash porn star wrangler manager, which, I'm honestly, so- I could see him in that pretty easily. The man can play, like, any role. It doesn't matter. You give him, like, yeah. stone-cold businessman, drug dealer, he can do it. If he does this, though, they really... So there's talk about him playing Professor X in the new X-Men, like, the official MCU I X-Men. I see that, too. If he does this, they really need to get him give him professor professor x because mm-hmm. like they're they're villain casting him a lot mm-hmm. and he's good at it gus fring r.i.p yeah for real he's but great. like don't don't like he's a much better actor than that yeah give him some good guy but roles. i'm excited give that him some good guy roles yeah and what they've said about the script so far is that it is by far uh as as you said bigger budget bigger cast this is the biggest scope apparently uh, as far as storytelling sure. it's the script that ty west is most excited about out of all three 
uh, as is Mia Goth. So and I, I would been, I fucking love both of them so far, X and Pearl. Absolutely. So I'm no part of me. Well, and dude, I'm Haley Newland just just, like just reached out to us today on social media and pointed out we need to do a Ty West episode. Hell yeah, uh, he's earned it. I love Ty point. West, big fan. Um, also in the cast that's that we didn't mention, Bobby Cannavale from uh, the that weird HBO show Vinyl, and he's been in a bunch of. He was the stepdad in Ant Man. Okay. Uh, he's he's in it as a cop. Uh, and there's a couple other people that I can't remember off the top of my head, but like either way, awesome. it's a dope cast. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. So that's going to be Maxine, and we'll finish off. Well, I mean, I'm assuming finishing off the series as a trilogy. Yeah, yeah I can't imagine he's going to continue, but a trilogy feels right. So the last thing, so that does it for our What's New. The last thing we want to do with the What's New is this is sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing. So uh, Jordan and I's schedules were both super stacked this month, so we we're kind of recording these What's New Early, and this one is being recorded earlier than we've ever done one. So we're like two weeks ahead of time for this one. We're way, yeah, time travel is a thing right now. So what we're going to do is make some predictions. We're each going to make a prediction about what's going to happen in horror news in the next two weeks. And we, uh, so so this is going to drop on on April 20th on 420. Woo! While you guys are listening to this, I'm out in the sticks shooting a Western right now. But I'm speaking to you from beyond time. So we will, uh... On on 420, when we drop this episode, we'll post on social social media to address whether or not our predictions came true. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, up yeah, first, yeah. my prediction. Here's yeah. my prediction. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, Nicholas Cage, mm-hmm. Ty West, mm-hmm. Ari Aster, yes, forming their own cult. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Going full Scientology. Oh, abandoning cinema. That's my. Scient- they're all going to become Scientologists. No, together. they're going to form their own cult. That is that is similar to Scientology. That is, maybe not even similar to Scientology, but just like famous people in a cult. Okay. Um, yeah, I can tell you, you're probably going to be wrong, but I would I don't be know. very excited to live in a world where you were right. I would join that cult immediately. I'm going to pick one that I think I'm going to be right. There will be at least two new shark movies announced <laughs> before the the next time <laughs> we do a live episode. Oh, you son of a bitch! Two. You got him. Two shark movies, maybe a maybe another bear movie too, but at least two shark movies. That's okay. my prediction. All right, so those are our predictions. We will address them on four twenty. <laughs> so up next are Stephen Pyle's streaming picks. Up first on Tubi, uh, and we're doing a thing now, I guess, where we're we're splitting them up. I'm gonna do two picks. JB's gonna pull two picks. Yep. Sometimes we do that naturally. Sometimes it's just random. But that's what we're doing now on purpose. So up first <laughs> on Tubi, Mac and me. Is it horror? No. No. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on who you ask. Is it awesome? Yes. Is it some sort of 80s weird ripoff of E.T. that's yep. much stranger and much weirder and much more poorly paced? Yes, definitely. It absolutely is. Um, But that's why I love it. It's because the aliens are so goddamn weird and the whole movie's so weird and the effects are all over the place. Well, in the pl- and there's that amazing scene where the kid in the wheelchair plummets <laughs> off the cliff and it's just so classic. I mean... So, Classic. Brandy, our our yeah. good friend and and podcast camp fam too. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, she is a staunch supporter of Mac and Me. Mac she vehemently believes Mac and Me is is profoundly superior to ET. There's nothing quite like a Friday night by yourself where you make a bunch of mac and cheese 
and watch Mac and me and just and just fall asleep on the couch. On you know? your MacBook. On your MacBook. Yep. Yeah, listening to Fleetwood Mac. Oh, you no, know? I was going to say listening to Macklemore. Okay. But, at the, but how about, can't you at just the same get time. two same MacBooks time. playing both music at the same time, and, full volume. And Mac and me on both laptops. Because and laptops. I like to fucking party. That's that why. That literally sounds like the inside of a crazy person's head. <laughs> <laughs> like, Up next on Netflix, We Have a Ghost. Which is the newest movie from Christopher Landon, who is the is the king of taking sort of cliched ideas from like yep. the 80s and 90s and updating them with modern twists. I just cannot bring myself to watch this. It's a good time. It's a family-friendly good time, I just but it's still a good time. I can't. Uh, Christopher Landon has also brought us movies like uh, Happy Death Day. Freaky, which was I liked, awesome. I loved Freaky. Freaky was great. I, Freaky is an exception for him. But um, like, and he also wrote most of the second half of the Paranormal Activity franchise. Shut up. Did yeah. He? Yeah. <sighs> I think from like three on or something like and that. And I'm like one of the 15 people alive that really likes the back half of the Paranormal Activity I actually like those series. movies too. We should do a franchise. There, the narrative that runs through that I think is pretty fucking cool. That's all Chris Landon. So, oh, God damn it. And so, I and, just, this trailer made like... You ever watch a trailer that just makes you mad, and you're like, yeah. I, I oh, can't yeah. watch this movie? I I'll... see why you feel that way, too. Yeah. It's very, like, Amblin kind of style fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's definitely family-friendly. It's star-studded. It's got David Harbour as the An- ghost. Isn't, and isn't uh, Anthony Mackie the star? It's, that's um, it's Falcon. Falcon, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, he's the star. Yeah. He's also um, Papa Doc from 8 Mile. There you go. Yes, he is. Uh, so, yeah, it's a worth it's worth a watch. It's a good time. If you got the youngins, they'll probably like it. All right, up next on, these are my two, on Tubi, going back to Tubi because it's our trusted yeah. resource. I like to think this one's also for the kids. Really simple, kids. Rocktopussy. Uh, <laughs> it's about a killer octopus. But, but and that, ro- that and they rockin- find in a rock, right? And, and they find in a rock, and I think What's there's maybe some. doing in a rock? Who knows, man? Like, that's why you, like, you got to go watch this rock, to find you out. Octopus. Uh, and up last on Hulu, I'm very proud of this pick, uh, The Passion of the Christ. I will argue vehemently <laughs> if you reach out to me personally oh on uh, on social media. I will argue vehemently why this movie is in fact a horror film. I mean, there's more blood and gore in this film than in some horror films. Yeah, and you know? when you really think about the fact that this movie is about a mythological tale that the vast majority of the world gen like legitimately death worships, I think that makes this a horror film. So, and, Passion of the Christ on Hulu. As much as this movie is like propaganda garbage and Mel Gibson, you know, Jesus fetish, the devil in this movie is it's actually fucking terrifying. pretty well done. So, all right, I want to point something out to you guys about this movie, though. Uh, a lot of people think that this movie is taken straight from the Gospels, and it's because it's oh, the Passion no. of the Christ is what's generally referred to as the last week of Christ's life before his crucifixion. This is not taken from the God. Like, parts of it are taken from the Gospel, but the majority of this film are taken from this weird writings of this um, 19th century Catholic mystic lady from Scotland that had, like, she was schizophrenic and had a bunch of visions and wrote a bunch of, like, extra material, like, like fanfic for scripture. Yeah, I was going to say Bible fan fiction. Yeah, That's and, like, she's the, she's the person that originally introduced the idea of the rapture, uh-huh. like, God taking oh, all the people from the earth before the end times. Fun. That was not a thing until about 150 years ago, <laughs> and she came up with what is essentially the plot of this film. So this version of the devil is her version of the devil, uh, and it is fucking terrifying. It is scary. You know, yeah. at least there's that. Well, it does kind of look like Voldemort. I'm just saying. Oh, definitely. But this is pre-Voldemort. Jesus I, Christ, right. the boy who lived <laughs> has come to die. 
oh my god now i want uh, a fucking director's cut where that scene happens where he can where he speaks he speaks to all of jesus's followers in their head it is folly if you do not bring him to me <laughs> i'm not sure that would make the passion of the christ cooler i think it might just make harry potter worse i mean it's gonna make them both confusing so that's the point yeah so anyway, Passion of the Christ. Never thought that would be on our fucking. Uh, you know, I saw this movie in theaters. Same. Dude. I went to like a Catholic high school. I've never been Catholic a day in my life. Well, I went but to, I went to Catholic yeah. high school, and so this movie came out, and I'm like, let's see what all these Catholics are fussing over at this old Passion of the Christ movie. And I kind of had a good time because I'm like, one, I know where this story's going. <laughs> Two, this is bloody as hell, and like the Christians are like offending themselves. That's the best part about this movie. It's like it's made yep. by Christians for Christians and the Christians are the most offended too. Well, while the... they're also like half of the Christians are like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen and the other half are like this is a bloody and offensive and I'm like you guys did this to yourselves. Well, yeah, and if you remember the real controversy <laughs> about this film was that Oh um, my Christians. It's, it's profoundly anti-Semitic, right? Yeah, like yeah. it really propagates the the theory of Pontius Pilate washed his hands clean of the decision to kill Christ and yep. gave it to the local Jews that were there, and they're the ones that decided to kill him. And this movie really leans yeah. into that. And listen, I'm not saying that's in line with what scripture says. What I am saying is that it's fucking scripture. It's a mythology text at best. You cannot blame Jewish people for the death of a fictional person. Yeah, it's a myth. Uh, a myth. So anyway, that's but our a bloody myth. That's our steam and pile of streaming picks. Oh, Up that's last, hilarious. trailer of the week: Hypnotic, the new film from Robert Rodriguez. So okay, here, here's the thing about this: I really don't know how I feel about this movie. Uh, one, it looks very like high budget Hollywood. Yeah. The, the thing that got me interested in the first place is Robert Rodriguez because I'm yeah. like, ooh, Robert Rodriguez. Ooh, that's dust, good. Dust till dawn, El Mariachi. And then they're like starring Ben Affleck. I'm like, ooh, Ben Affleck, that's bad. That's bad. And then Robert Rodriguez is like, it's like a Hitchcock movie but on steroids. And I'm like, well, that's good. Mm. And then I watch the trailer. I'm like, is this bad? I don't necessarily know that it's something on steroids is a good. Is a good it, omen it, for it, anything. Uh, I think this movie looks like <laughs> Robert Rodriguez is trying to make a John or a Christopher Nolan film. It does kind of vibe that. And way. I will tell you this: if it was anyone but Ben Affleck, I would be mildly into this. Yeah, you 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 name drop someone while we were watching the trailer. Cillian together. Murphy would, but again, if it Dude, was that be dope. But again, if it was a Christopher Nolan film, it would literally be Cillian Murphy. Or you know what? It would be somebody newer and hotter right now. I bet it would be somebody like Jonathan Majors, right? Oh, yeah, like yeah. there are certain actors and it's like not even any fault of their own besides just being in so many things that i'm just sort yeah. of over you know and i ben, mean ben affleck doesn't do it for me but he's never here, really right, done it for so me. i agree with that and like i told you before we started recording i just listened to i don't know if you guys listen to the show behind the bastards at all if you don't it's definitely like i'm uselessly plugging another podcast but yeah. but it's great uh, and it's basically just an exploration of like the worst people in history. So I just listened to an episode about Harvey Weinstein. It was a two-parter. Ooh, that's how bad Harvey Weinstein was. It was a two-part. Well, the first part was more about him, and the second part was about all the people that helped him oh, yeah. by like turning a blind eye or like going even farther and like legally helping him. So Ben Affleck was talked about a lot in the second part, and how mm. Harvey Weinstein I mean, he made was in every Miramax movie. Dude. Harvey Weinstein made his career and sure. made him a lot of money. And when all that shit came out about Weinstein, like Ben Affleck was an apologist way too long. Like any any fraction of time of being an apologist for Harvey Weinstein, in my opinion, was 
unforgivable that Ben Affleck time. was for like a year. That's a long time. And then some shit came out afterwards that while Harvey Weinstein was doing all this terrible things, terrible stuff in the 90s and early 2000s, Affleck was personally present for some of it and just like liter- physically turned around and like ignored it. Wow. He literally turned an actual yeah. blind eye. Fuck that guy is all wow. I have to say. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So that does it for, for all the what's new and the trailers and all the good stuff. We're gonna let's get into talking to Tim Baum. I really hope you guys enjoy this. Uh here we go. <laughs> My name is JB. And I am Jordan. We are from Camp Nightmare. If you don't know what that is, we are a podcast that is dedicated to all things horror. And today we are hosting the panel up here with the one and only Tim Baum. Yes. From Dead Alive. Lionel from Dead Alive. Also writer, show developer. We're going to talk about some of that. But yeah, give it up. Yeah, give it up, everybody. Don't be shy. Come on. He flew a long way. So, Tim Baum, thank you so much for joining us up here today. Hey, well, it's been really nice to um, make the journey here. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's 20 hours from New Zealand in a plane. And, uh, oh. But it's always worth it because, and I, and I don't do these conventions very often at all. In fact, the last one was uh, 2014. I did Monster Mania. And it's really nice to come. And, you know, the good thing is you get such a lovely welcome from yeah. the creature, particularly from the creature freaks. So, oh, yeah. So, thank you. Yeah, we've been at this every year that they've done it, and we agree. There's a sense yeah. of camaraderie here that I haven't yeah. seen in other cons. Yeah, and so. uh, Craig, uh, who runs that, he tried. He invited me a couple of years ago, and uh, because it was in August, I could never come because of my work back home. But when he moved it to March, I said, "No, you know what? You're uh, you're persistent, and I like you, so I'm <laughs> I'm coming." <laughs> Hell no. yeah! So you see, this has been almost ten years since you've done something like this. Yeah. Uh, have you done something exactly like that? Have you actually done a Q and A before for this film uh, here in the states? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I don't know if I have. Because I know I, a lot I, of people got a lot of me. questions. I, did, I know I did <laughs> a couple in Germany many years ago, but that, it was in German, so I can't remember. So it. you don't that's know. Funny. Yeah, they could have been saying anything. So I think "dead alive" means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, it means know, brain dead to some people. Yeah, it means brain dead to some people. It's it's Peter Jackson. It's zombies. It's gore. It's everything. Yeah. What does it mean to you when you think back on "dead alive"? What pops right in your head? What are the feelings? Okay. Good question. Um, this film was very important to me because it was as an actor, as a young actor at the time. Uh, I'd done a lot of theatre and a bit of TV, but it was my first feature film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as far as uh, learning the craft of being in a feature film, uh, I got to be uh, schooled by Peter Jackson. You know? So sure. that's a bonus. And also, the beautiful thing about Dead Alive is that it was kind of the last film, certainly that he made, where everything that you see is in camera. Yeah. There's no digital effects. There's no, there's no CGI. There's nothing. It was all ropes and pulleys and miniatures and forced perspectives. All the, all the tricks of the trade he put into that movie. And so as an actor, I got to uh, be a part of it. So I, I, I learned all those tricks <laughs> by doing it, having to do it. And uh, that was a, you know, I look back on that very, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very blessed to have had that experience. Excellent. Well, well that's a, what a wild first movie. So you're, you're covered yeah. in all of that stuff, and you're like, yeah. so this is movie making, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Movie business, crazy. After six weeks, that, that's um, the kind of climax of the film where, where things go wrong. Uh, quite, <laughs> oh, that's where they go wrong. Got quite wrong in a big way. Uh, that, that's basically with everything. It's the fan in the, in, the, in the house. That took six weeks to film. 
Wow. So we were in the same set for six weeks. Just covered in gore. Yeah, and, and because, slurry. It, because it was, he, Peter knew there was going to be so much gore, he knew there was going to be, only he knew how much there was going to be. <laughs> I don't think the crew knew. I don't think, him, only him and his special effects guy kind of knew. I didn't know. And, uh, but because he knew how much there was going to be, of course, generally speaking, when we make film and TV, we shoot everything out of order because mm -hmm. it's sure. more practical. This had to be all shot in order because there was no way they could. Oh, he shot it in continuity? Absolute That's continuity because there could be no way of cleaning it up. Yeah. 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 You can't go back. It's like this That's place true. is going to get destroyed and we're going to do it systematically. Yeah. Once you walk through a room of people with a lawnmower, like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's really no going back. Yeah. You're that. not like, yeah, just spray it down, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we, we spent six weeks in that studio. It was, a, it was a, all a big studio build. Was uh, that cool. was my next wow. question. So all yeah. of that is it's in a soundstage. Yeah. It, yeah. In, a, in one of the original big sound stages that we have in New Zealand. Didn't used to have that many. Got a few more now. But because mm -hmm. uh, we do, you know, down there now they're making um, Avatar and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot more facilities. But back, back then, which was uh, 30 years ago, we didn't have a lot to choose from. But, yeah, they commandeered a big soundstage, built a two-story house inside it and... Um, we went and had a party. So while you were making this movie, while you're part of these gags, these, uh, these ridiculous gags, yeah. what's going through your head? Are you thinking, wow, Peter Jackson is a genius. This is going to like, be something that goes down in history. Or you're like, nobody's going to like this. Or is he a madman? Like, what are you thinking when you were doing this? Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, because I was, a, I was a trained actor, you know, I've been to drama school, but I hadn't, I've been out for a couple of years. So I, I was very like, you know, read the script and, under, you know, you kind of understand the structure and the journey. And when I read the script, it was a beautifully written script. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. So you pick it up as a document and you read it and you go, wow, that's so easy to read. It's funny. It's like, this is cool. You can't, I, I, I'm not going to pretend that I could visualize what you got to see in the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, as I said before, I don't think anyone could. But... Um, what was the question again? <laughs> what was what was your feeling while filming it? Was it was oh. it like, man, this is going to go wildly oh, yeah, off yeah, the rails? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, so, this so no, is no, absolutely. I, I, I was going. I was looking forward to all these um, <laughs> sequences. So you know, there's the there's so many sequences in the film where there's the bit where my mother's cheek falls off sure. and I glue it back on, and mm -hmm. yeah. um, there's the 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 baby in the park and all that sort of stuff. So I was just sort of going from sequence to sequence because uh, that's all I had time for. Be you know, it was a three and a half month shoot. But it was a long shoot for us back then. Yeah, sure. So I didn't know. I didn't know. The key to it was when, when the pressure was on in the filming and Peter wanted to do another take with more blood or whatever it was, and the crew, you could see some of the crew going, really? <laughs> and, I mean, don't you think you got it? And he's going, no, 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 no. This is for the fans. Oh. And he'd say, this is for the fans. And, and honestly, sometimes the film crew would be standing around going, what the hell? And he's going, hey, this is for the fans. Now, I didn't know what that meant until when the film got released and he and I did a publicity tour with it around Europe, mainly Germany. We took it to the fans. And then I met the fans. And the fans were just like, thank you, Peter. Thank you. We've been waiting so long for this. Sure. And they had such a good time. And then I sort of, mm. it all fell into place for me. Well, and by that point, he had already developed sort of a small cult following as a gorehound yeah. with bad taste and beat the feebles. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were just hanging out for this, this new one that they'd heard about. Sure. And it didn't disappoint. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that ultimately like why you would pick someone like that to do Lord of the Rings, right? Because he knows what <laughs> yeah. the fans want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without, like, but by being one, right? And at his core, man, Peter Jackson's just a nerd. And like, oh, absurd. In the nerd. best way. He's, yeah. he's a really cool nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> uh, much so. I mean, he, he's because uh, he's a collector. <laughs> so, you know, when I was going around to his place to talk about the film before we made it and stuff, you know, he, I was sitting in his study with just racks and racks of every version of every film that, you know, you might want to reference. He had, has them all, laser discs and Blu-rays and the whole lot. He probably had laser discs before they were even invented. <laughs> yeah. He's a dedicated man. And what I love about him as a genre filmmaker, like genres across the board, is, is that he blends a lot of things. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. Dead Alive, everyone remembers the gore. Everyone remembers the lawnmower. But I argue every time that this is a romance film. Like yeah. This, yeah. It begins with the promise of romance and ends with a kiss. Yeah. And, and it's a slapstick comedy. And it's, a, it's a lot of right. things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is, um, you're, absolutely, you're spot on there. It's a, it's a, a great blending of genres and, and, and homages to a whole lot of films. And they managed to make that cohesive. Yeah. So that's that's I think that's the trick with the film. I think that's why it's we were just so we were just talking about this last night that there's some secret thing to Dead Alive that has made it timeless and that, you know, we think a part of it might be that it's it's at its core like a ghoul movie, but it's bookended, right? It's not like Walking Dead where it's just open ended and it's never gonna end. Like there's right, a right, definite yeah. beginning and definite yeah. end to Dead yeah. Alive. And you're gonna get there. Yeah. There is of course a slight cliffhanger to it with Baby sell one. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. And who, who would be about? He'd be about thirty-two now. Uh -oh. yeah, well, where so, would that baby uh, be yeah. today? Uh -oh. Probably here. He could be in the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Let's open it up to you guys, man. Who's got questions? Anybody? Come on down and talk into the microphone, brother. Microphone, please. You can you can yell. You we'll can let yell. you yell. Yeah. Right. The, qu the question is in the script when you get to the section with the sentient sphincter. Love that phrase. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's why I had to reiterate the, the question because I wanted to say yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Was that too much? <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I was probably by that point going, what the hell is happening? Here? Right. <laughs> um, no, but it's one of those, it is one of those striking images in the film. And, it, and I remember that sequence because we shot a lot of that in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> so the, to get the thing spiraling around my neck and that I had to learn how to act in reverse. So that was, as I said before, was one of these beautiful things about the journey was to get to try all these things out, you know? Try all these techniques out in one film. And that was the, the, um, the great thing about having, having been a part of it. But yeah, the sphincter, yeah, probably was too much. <laughs> well, was there any, at any point while you were filming it, like not even reading it or trying to visualize it, was there any point where you're like, "This is too much. Like, I got to take a break." Yep. Tell, talk to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Give and us a, it, give and it. it. And it's and it's in the film. Oh, nice. In fact, there are two two moments similar like that in the film. Uh, so I'll let you know what they are. In the lawnmower sequence, um, <laughs> which <laughs> we're kind of recreating today in a photo op. Oh sure. my God, it's been 32 years. Um, <laughs> you know, we were doing a lot of takes of it, and there was a lot of blood and gore in the set. And that, that sort of chopping up the zombies thing, that was a long day. It's a long day to chop up zombies, yeah. People <laughs> think it's easy, it's, it's not. It's not easy. It's not. So we were pumping out a lot of blood and stuff and, and I was doing a lot of takes and I was getting really tired because this thing's, and I was just, and I think Peter said, let's do one more. And I was, I was doing it and I just started yelling and, ah! but oh. that was me. 
Okay, that was Tim going, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, it was where Tim met Lionel, I think. And it works, you know, it's in the film. Who it's knew like, there was method acting oh, in Dead Alive? Just get me, I can't do it. And the other bit, there was a bit where we were, um, so there's a bar where I walk Selwyn in the park, the mm. baby in the park sequence. And uh, that was shot after the film wrapped because they'd run out of money. And the completion guarantors, you know, the people that guarantee the film will be finished, the finance people, they shut it down. They said, Peter, you, you don't need that scene. You, you've got a film. You can, the, you, that scene is superfluous to the story. You don't need it. We haven't got the money. You're not shooting it. Peter's not a guy that sort of takes that sort of uh, advice particularly well. So he goes, <laughs> okay, sure, we won't shoot it. Then he says, hey, Tim, after the rap party, we're going to come back on Monday you and me and so-and-so and so-and-so, and we're just going to shoot it anyway. I went, sure. <laughs> so we were in the park, and we're shooting it, and there's lots of stunts in there. I'm, I'm sliding down hills and stuff, and at one point I'm running towards the camera, and I'm hurdling these big bollard things, yeah. and I misjudge it, and my knee just takes out the bollard. Well, the bollard takes out my knee, actually. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I can still feel it. But it's in the film. You know, it was like, looks great. And I'm going, thank you very much. Peter. Yeah, you, hit, glad that, you hit the ground hard in, in some of those shots. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that sequence, yeah, you, maybe you're right. Maybe it has nothing to do with the plot, but it's an extremely memorable part of, uh, yeah, of, and, of the movie. And Peter's, Peter's that's, that's his genius. You know, he knows that people who appreciate the film, fans, they want that, that sequence. He knows they're going to love it, they're going to remember it, so there's no way he wasn't going to put it in the film. He's going to find a way. Yeah, film is all about moments, right? Like, all yeah. we, when we get down, done with a movie, we don't sit and remember the entire movie start to finish. We remember the moments. And it's like those magic two-second moments, like the guy who looks like Lemmy from Motorhead, who's just laughing yeah. uh, as you, like, pummel this baby, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. those are magic <laughs> moments that, like, live forever in this movie. That's right. See, they know. Right on. They were all crew members, actually, in the, in the park. Oh, so all the people oh, watching you... They were all guys that were in the crew that just came along to help finish the scene. That explains but, why none of them look like they should have been in a park. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that guy you're talking about, he was... Um, I think he was the carpenter. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. love him. Like, that little... Ah! Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> he, he gets his moment. You know, that's, that's fantastic. I saw a hand back there somewhere. Yeah. question is yeah. about the day-to-day process of the three-month uh, production. Yeah, it was just a complete immersion, and, and that was my life. It was, we were shooting 12-hour days in winter in Wellington, which is uh, the capital city of New Zealand. And it's a very cold place in the winter and windy. So there were some really long nights, and, but I, that was all I was doing. You know, It was Monday to Friday, 12 hours of shooting a day, and I, just, I didn't really have to think about anything else. Yeah. Like my mum and dad. <laughs> when you're like, I made it. Yeah. Question is, well, what, what was the family's I'll thoughts? I'll tell you, I'll let you in on a little kind of interesting uh, secret. It's not a secret, but um, there's a sequence where my younger self, like he's four, and he peers around the bathroom door to see my mother drowning my father. Yeah. It's a flashback. That's my son. So he was like four. And he was living in a pl- further north at the time. And my mother, who would have, she's passed now, but she would have been like 70 or something at the time. Uh, no, maybe 65. She flew him down in the plane. Because I said to Peter, well, you need a younger me. Why don't we just use my son? 
who was, uh, you know, like that, that age. So she flew him down and she, <laughs> she chaperoned him on set, right, in that house where all the shit was happening. <laughs> so she was going, oh, so this is your job. You know, it was kind of, uh, um, uh, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> so now something she could tell the sewing circle yeah, about. But uh, I think they went to see it. I think they, my dad and my nice. mum, they're both gone now, but they, they went to see it and um, they were polite. Oh, okay. What would they tell you? <laughs> or maybe they didn't even. They, maybe they just saw the first scene and then snuck out. I'm I'm sure they did. I don't know. But they were polite about it. <laughs> They're like, I like the first act. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it got a bit silly. Mm. So one thing I've got a question about is Peter Jackson's become sort of famous for creating community with his crews and his cast members. Yeah. Uh, was that present on this movie? Like, how 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 does he run his sets? Oh, yeah, I mean, because he'd done, well, you know, everyone knows that Bad Taste was shot with mates on the weekends. Yeah. And then he'd put together, they they were supposed to shoot Brain Dead next, and the money fell over, so they did Meet the Feebles. Mm. Yeah, the puppet one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then a lot, so a lot of those crew people stuck with him and and came and joined Dead Alive, Brain Dead. Um, And I, I can't say with any authority, but, People like Richard Taylor, obviously, who's a special effects guy, who's been with him all the way through. He's part of Weta, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he, he, is he set Weta up, basically, <laughs> yeah. and or Peter helped him set it up, and I think he might have sold it now, but, I mean, you know, everyone's heard of Weta. It's, sure. It's, it's uh, huge. So those guys have grown together, and, yeah, the producers around Peter and all that, one of them's passed away, but they've all been... He's been very loyal to the people that want to stick around with him. Yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. He, he's an he's a interesting guy, and he, he uh, appreciates loyalty. Now I'm sounding like Donald Trump. But anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I think he's a very single, <laughs> single-minded director, right? And like, he's very focused. And I think that yeah. people like that oftentimes tends to, tend to hit resistance with studios because they're very resistant to be like, no, I'm not going to change this. But they yeah. also tend to be super loyal to the people that do stick with them. Yeah, and there were people that gathered around him uh, off the back of... Uh, Heavenly creatures and the f- sure. and then help them make frighteners, you know, big, bigger people coming in from America and stuff. And uh, th- they were, he was very. Uh, th- they helped him get all the big people to say yes. Sure, yeah? sure. He, so, he, yeah. were you a fan of the the pr- productions and work that he was doing before joining the production of Brain Dead, or was that that your introduction to Peter? Uh, that Jones? was my introduction. Yeah. I'd never uh, seen his films. I'd never. Okay, so. I'd never seen a zombie film or a horror film before I did this film. Oh, wow. wow. So when I got cast in the film, uh, Peter said, because we did a one-on-one audition, you know, I went around to his office and he said, I'm looking for a guy to play this role and we did some tests and he said, I like what you're doing. You want to do it? Tell me about what you know about horror film genre. I said, I, I, I don't know anything. I've never seen any. So he said, okay, I need you to do some homework for me. And he sent me away with three films. One was Dawn of the Dead, Evil Dead 2, and I think it was Bad Taste. So I got, that was my, uh, that was my homework, and I mean, they're all great films, right? So it was good homework, easy homework. But that was what got me into the, that, so then I understood the genre so that I could apply that to what the script was. Sure. Did yeah. that change you into a fan at all? Did you appreciate horror films moving forward after that, or did you go back to more like eh, not really for you? I, I appreciate them. I don't. Um, I like. I like a broad spectrum of films. Uh, my favorite film, the greatest film ever made, is 
an American film called Butch T- Cassidy and the Sundance oh, hell Kid. Yeah. I just think that's the greatest film. Cool. Ever we, we weren't fishing for that. It's no, brilliant. It's fine. It's, no, you're, yeah. you're, you don't you're, have to say that. It's brilliant. But um, <laughs> so I think, you know, that's kind of where I, that's where my love of movies came along. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I saw that film. Um, but horror, all the different subgenres of horror, I have a deep appreciation for them now because I've, you know, I've, I've made one uh, and I, I get it. So I can, I can see it, I can see how they're made, and I can also, uh, so there's nothing better than when I do see one, I can suspend my disbelief. So as an appreciator then, going past that movie, what was a horror movie that stuck with you that really scared you, like that stuck with you long after watching it? I'm a wuss, man. I, I, I got um, I got freaked out with Poltergeist. Yeah, oh. that's not Ugh, that's not that's normal. Man. That movie's terrifying. That's normal. Oh, that's good. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not I'm, alone. I'm relieved to hear that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we're here. So I so I'm I'm curious. So we, we talk about Peter Jackson and him being really into loyalty, and um, you know, if you read about him, you find out that he's very very adamant about shooting in New Zealand as much as he can and yeah. using New Zealand crews mm-hmm. um, to try and keep the money there and try yeah. to you know boost the economy. I know from from a lot of that I've read about you that you're also pretty involved in like new, just New Zealand centric projects. Like there's Brokenwood yep. Mysteries um, yep. that you're the head writer on and everything. I'm the producer. Producer. And the, I'm and the head writer. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in it. I haven't got time to be in it. Fair enough. Well, can yep. you talk to me a little bit about what it means to like to be New Zealand centric? Because there's been sort of a a building up of New Zealand. Like Taika Waititi is a great yeah, example of like Taika. a really huge mainstream person yeah. to come out of there. Um, but I feel like he wouldn't have that if it weren't for people like you and Peter that sort of started that ball rolling. Yeah, well, that's very generous. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I'm like Peter. I, I just went... I'm, P- Peter's simple mantra was, I'm going to bring Hollywood to New Zealand, and he did. Uh, he wanted to make... He, he just believed he could make any film he wanted to make in New Zealand. Doesn't like travelling. Uh, he just wants to just do the work, you know? Or as we say in New Zealand, the, the Māori word for that is mahi. You just want to do the mahi. And so he, he managed to build that empire. And, or, you know, it's such a great thing. And Taika's doing a similar thing now. He's bringing a lot of stuff back mm-hmm. to New Zealand. And my, my situation was I just wanted to tell New Zealand stories. Sure. And, that's, and the years have rolled on, and, that, and that's what I've been doing. So I've, I've either been acting in shows like the Almighty Johnsons and... Or, or writing on those shows, and now this this murder mystery series that I write and produce is, you know, we're about to start our tenth season. So wow. I've been doing it for ten years. Wow. In fact, when I went to Monster Mania in 2014, when I got off the plane from that, I wrote the first episode, and I've been doing it ever since. And now I'm back here, nice. about to start season ten. So, I, and I'm doing that because I still enjoy it. Sure. And it's and it's uh, it's it's a genre. It's a clear murder mystery genre, but with a clear Kiwi New Zealand bent to it, which just seems to be the reason that it's translated so well overseas. Sure. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you have your hand in writing and in acting. Like, mm-hmm. Is there one that you prefer, prefer more than the other? Or? Uh, in recent years, it's been the writing. Okay. I've been getting a lot of satisfaction out of writing cool stuff for actors that I know. Sure. I like writing for my friends and go, you'll, you'll love this role. I'm going to write for you. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Any more questions from you guys? Yeah, I guess that's some hands. Yeah. Yeah. Question is, where can we see the murder mystery? Um, it screens in here in America on a, a platform called Acorn. Yep. Acorn is a, I believe it's an American platform that specializes in British and Australasian 
content. It's like everything that everything's on there just isn't American. Um, and so Acorn are one of our uh, investors. So we make this thing, uh, this this show, and they buy into it, and they they get the world premiere rights for each season. So the first, oh, in fact, episode nine, season nine premieres on Acorn on April the third um, here, and I, 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 I'm not sure whether it's across. It, it goes it goes around the world in different places. It's very big in France and Italy and Germany and Scandinavia, and UK, and it. I know that it's hit the America because I always get uh, messages from North Carolina, <laughs> all these interesting places. I go, oh, they're, they're having a good time. <laughs> I thought I saw some other hands up as well. Never had one from Gettysburg. Oh, yeah, you're right behind the light. Yeah, give it to me. Can you sing? I was going to bring this up in a second, but yeah, you're a musician as well, right? I am, yeah. You know what? They did it. They did Dead Alive as a musical? It was, well, Brain Dead, yeah. Brain Dead, the musical, was made, it was done in, in America, in Auckland, in uh, my, where, I, where I live. It was made into a musical in, oh, I'm going to say, a few years after it was released. Um, I wasn't in it. Um, I know what you're saying. It could be a good musical. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of friends and colleagues were in it. Um, and, yeah, it probably needs another think. But it's been done, yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about Posty. P-O-S-T-I-E, is that a band? Posty? No, no, I was a Posty. What is, what is that? Oh, what's a Posty? Yeah. It's the person who delivers mail. Oh. The postman. Okay. Yeah, okay. so before I went to drama school, I was a Posty. And you were I, like, this is I boring, was, uh, I need to get covered in blood somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'd just become a father, actually, and I thought, oh... I need to get a real job, so I became a postie. But then I went, nah, I really want to go to drama school as well, so I did that as well. There it is. Yeah, there's there's the way. Nice. So do you keep up with Peter Jackson ever to talk about, like, the old times, shooting Brandad? I haven't seen Peter for many years, although I did uh, reach out to him a couple of years ago because in uh, this show I make, uh, Brokenwood, Brokenwood, Braindead sounds like that? Brokenwood. Um, I put some footage of Braindead in it. Uh, so in episode one of season seven, mm-hmm. without giving it away, uh, Braindead is playing on a TV in a motel. And I just had to get permission to do it. And they were, he and they were fine. They said, yeah, go for it. That's so, um, yeah, my, my murder mystery audience who are, you know, murder mysteries are, are fairly um, a more conservative kind of audience. They've had the pleasure of seeing bits of, Brain dead as well. That's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, I just did it because I thought that'd be fun, and uh, yeah, it's done now. <laughs> now, does Brokenwood take place in diff- Does each episode take place in a different location? The reason I ask. So I read that it's. I read that it was somebody compared it to Midsummer Murders. Oh yeah. And my issue with Midsummer Murders is that all of the murders happen in the same town, and it's like yep. a new murder every week. And yep. at some point, like yeah, Brokenwood. Yeah. So Brokenwood, the same thing happens. Brokenwood is a is a New Zealand town. Um, that I made up, but it's it's a kind of it's the uh, what we would call a provincial centre, provincial okay. town um, that reminds me of where I grew up. Uh, so I didn't grow up in a big city; I just I grew up in a small centre. And so I think I thought, well, I'll make a town that reminds me of what I was it was like when I grew up, the good old days. 
And uh, yeah, someone dies every week in a m mysterious <laughs> and interesting ways, as interesting as I can think of. And each episode's a feature length. So we make six movie length episodes oh, okay. each year, which takes us about 20 weeks of filming. Mm -hmm. So we shoot for pretty much half a year, and the other half I write. Right That's on. amazing. Very so cool. something I've heard from a lot of different people, uh, including in the panel right before this, I heard a little bit of it. And people say that they'll do these movies, t a lot of time will pass, and, and sometimes they're unaware or they're surprised that how much people still love these films and, yeah. how, and how things like this are still going on and people are celebrating yeah. films that were decades before in people's careers. Is this the case with Brain Dead? Did you move on and then and come to stuff like this and find surprise in that? Yeah, well, I, I had, to be honest, um, it, Brain, uh, Dead Alive, we made it. It got released at home. Um, and then, you know, we all move on and do other things. Um, and I had no idea that people were so passionate about it until I went to a convention in Germany. Uh, and I got turned up in Germany to this place where there were a lot of passionate fans. And they were saying, this is a great film, this is a great film. You, you know, you, you, we, we love this film. And then I came to my first convention here, which was in Indianapolis, I don't know, 2009 or something. And um, again, I'm meeting and I'm seeing people here that I've seen before, and now I'm also meeting pe people that have just introduced it to their kids. Mm -hmm. And you go, that's cool, right? That's like, I love something, and I want my children to, <laughs> to enjoy this thing that I enjoyed. It'd be like me um, making my kids watch Butch Cassidy and the sure. Dance Kid. <laughs> just with a lot Which of I've already blood. done that, by the way. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing, right? The film, that's the great thing about film, is they, it, it exists. It's a thing. It's a finite thing that we can all hold and play and watch and enjoy once, twice, numerous times. We can share it with our friends. And you get a great sense of that when you come to these... Well, why do, why do you have conventions? It's because all, all of you here have a common interest and a common passion and, sh and, and a love for a genre. And um, it's a great sense of community. And uh, you should feel good about that because it's yours. Yeah, Hell absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's, that's a special thing for a lot of people. Uh, you know, you celebrate movies that you, you grew up loving, and it's, I think it's really special for people like, when you make this trip out and, and, and yeah. you can see, yeah, we can get a little piece of something that, you know, made, yeah. made our yeah. childhood magic. And we, we talk all the time in our show about, at the end of the day, our love of horror really springs from a sense of community, like yeah. you're talking about, mm -hmm. and the yeah. idea mm -hmm. that, like, we all at some point in our lives felt on the fringes of something and okay. genre the genre community is somewhere that people from the fringes cannot feel as like as on the fringe yeah 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 that's good and community is i mean it's important in every aspect of life right sure. and and that's a it's a good example of that and also community is the way that often first people's films get made mm -hmm. yeah so peter jackson is a great example of that he he, he managed to make bad taste almost single-handedly but with his friends and put, pitching in on the weekend. And that's, I mean, he proved that it could be done. And I know many people have tried to emulate that since and still do. And I'm sure there are filmmakers here that have, the only reason they get something finished that they can put on a DVD or on a screen is because of the community that helped them do it. Sure. And, uh, and generally speaking, we like to think that those people, as with Peter, pay that back to their to, 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 at loyalty. Yeah. All right. So I think we've got time for maybe a couple more questions, if anybody has one. Yeah. Right there. Right shout there. it out. Uh, 
Oh, okay. So the, yeah. the question is, when you go to the crazy Nazi scientist, why do you get tranquilizer and not go straight for poison? Well, it, it, it is a good question. Um, it would have been a shorter movie. <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's an interesting thought. Because he was the vet, yeah? I love well, that that's what I, you're questioning about that film. Not the baby eating its way through someone's face, but the why didn't you get poison? Well, I think I might have a, I not get the poison? You tell me if I'm wrong, Tim, but uh, y- your mother is amongst those ghouls, so you don't want to kill your mother. Like, yeah. Up until yeah. the fin- finale that, of the film. Up to that point, up to that point I think there's a, something she can be redeemed, right? Right. It's, th- it's when she goes the full noise that um, I should have got the poison <laughs> at that yeah. point. Well, it's clear Lionel doesn't want to kill them even after they're dead. That's why he tries to put them around the dinner table. That's why he tries to play yeah. this facade out until can, it's yeah. like absolutely can't anymore. L- L- Lionel's just going, I- 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 I'll sort this. I can figure this out. I- I- I've got sure. this, but not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's a good reason. I see another hand. Yep, right there. Do you like <laughs> egg custard? He used not to. Ne- not anymore. Not anymore. Uh. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that scene still gets me whenever Dude. I see it. It's 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 that is probably the one. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the one where my parents would have walked out. But yeah, we, I, we I, re- with all the gore, that is the grossest thing it in the movie. A, we recorded an episode of our show last night where we talked about Dead Alive, and yeah. when we got to that talking about that part, yeah. everyone in the room that was with us was like, "Yeah, that's the one thing." In that movie. That's yeah. when we served <laughs> custard that to ear everybody. Custard. Rich and creamy, just the way I like. <laughs> it. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Uh, other questions? Yes, right there. Oh, uh, Diana, yeah. Yeah, the, the question is uh, about working with the actress who played Paquita. Yeah, so that, the interesting story there. She, um, lovely person. I own, I literally met her. Uh, I can't even remember if we had a read through. It was, it was pretty crazy. I like. It's like I met her on day one, and I said goodbye to her after the rap party, and I've never seen her since. <laughs> um, but we've just actually connected over, um, you know, messaging things. <laughs> Whatever that is. Um, <laughs> not TikTok. Um, oh, thank and, you. Uh, and, um, yeah, she, I think um, we should do something like this together next time. But um, yeah. she's a lovely person. But interestingly enough, the film had kind of a few incarnations before it got made. And originally uh, it was set in the 70s. And that character was not Spanish. And then they were seeking money, and they found that they could get some money from Spain. So they wrote that character into a Spanish person with Spanish grandmother and stuff, which is an interesting choice because there are probably no Spanish people in New Zealand (laughs) (laughs) at that time. There was like, Spanish? We have Italians and, you know, we have Greeks and that, but Spanish? Anyway. And then so they wrote that, and they cast her, and then the Spanish money fell away, but Peter was so like, nah, this is great, that they kept that part of the deal going anyway and flew her out and, <laughs> and kept it as Paquita, which is great because it is kind of different and it, and it worked really well. But on a purely financial level, that could have not happened. Hmm, but she's a cool lady. Hmm. Yeah, and there's some great chemistry there. Like, I th- she's a lot of fun to watch on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, was, she was a bright spark. I'm also a big fan of... Uh, the grandfather, who always sits in the, in the white tank top eating food, and he's just mad all the time. Oh, yeah. Love that guy. 
The, which which the uh, when they when they do the tarot reading in the back, yeah, the old man. Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 the damn tarot cards. Oh yeah, yeah, Sylvia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, his name was Sylvia. Yeah. Okay, well to to wrap things up then, give us some final thoughts on Dead Alive, on being here, like what it means to you to, to make this long trip, to be here with the fans, and to and to celebrate this film. Well, like I said before, it's uh, it's so nice to come to these conventions and get you know and to to ex- experience the the joy that I that uh, exudes from people that have loved this film and still love it. You know, I, I don't know how many times today people will come up and say, I just rewatched it again last night, you know, because I heard you were coming and I watch it every year on Halloween anyway. And, and uh, that, t- to know that uh, in some small way uh, I was part of something that uh, gave people a lot of pleasure is really nice to be reminded of that. And the only way I am reminded of it, really, is by coming to these conventions. As I say, I don't do them very often. It, for obvious reasons, it's a, it's a long haul. Um, but when I come, uh, I, I, I get a lot out of it. Sure. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll come back sooner than later. Yeah, I think we all get a lot too. And you know, and thank I, you so much for being I think part I of the Creature Feature family. And I think I say that we're so honored that you did choose to come yeah. and hang out with us. And we appreciate your time. So guys, give it up. For Tim Baum. Make sure you uh, head over to the celebrity room today and get your autograph with oh, him. Yeah. And, You'll and be there till 5 p.m.? Yeah? Or? Uh, yeah. I'm actually, I'll be there till about quarter to five, and then i got to get into costume oh. for the costume photo op, which, as I say, we've got, they've built the, the lawnmower, the doorway, the costume. They've got the whole shebang. So it's like the first time in 30 years that I, <laughs> I'm going back there. And that's at what time? That's at 5 o'clock. Okay. Now, the lawnmower they got you posing with. How's it, have you picked it up yet? Have you held it? I haven't it? seen it, but uh, I, haven't, I haven't lifted it up or anything. But they've also got a torso. Uh, those guys have gone all out. Oh, hell yeah. oh that's job. exciting. Excellent. All right, well, thank cool. you again, Tim. Thank you so much, man. All Thanks, right. everybody. Right, guys. Once again, I am Jordan. I am JB. And we are the host of the Camp Nightmare Podcast. And as always, kids, remember that nothing is real. And don't tell us what to do. <laughs> That was our live panel discussion with Tim Baum. I truly, truly feel honored that that, that Craig at Creature Feature Weekend asked us yes. to do this. Big because, shout out uh, to Craig. Thank you. Big shout out to Creature Feature Weekend. That's always a good time, and we always get to do cool shit like this. Hell yeah. And it's only a Creature Feature Weekend where like Tim Baum's going to fly halfway around the goddamn world yep. and sit with uh, us two on stage and just talk about whatever, and we get to learn about... Uh, what he's up to in New Zealand. We get to learn about how long it took to do these crazy things. We get to learn what a postie is. Too. Yeah. I thought it's a low moment for me. I like hey, when you, I didn't know what listen, that shit was. Listen, when you read his like bio page. I don't page, know what that shit so is. So he basically has the same bio page posted everywhere that you can find information about yeah, him. Yeah. Um which isn't an uncommon. That's it's, That's yeah, it's not uncommon. That's but like there's no other real information available about him. Yeah. Um so I like dug deep and found some like New Zealand stuff like from New Zealand about him that I had to like get a different VPN to find and <laughs> um and one of the things I found was they mentioned they were like he was in a band at, comma posty and I thought that meant mm. the name of his band was Posty. Turns out, no, he was just a mailman, and that's the name for mailman. It's, it, we don't call him Posties over here. That just sounds like a cutesy name for what you might like call a brec- the Posty. It sounds like a breakfast pastry. Oh, the little post. Oh, it does sound like a delicious. I'm going to have, have a Posty. I'm kind of hungry now for yeah, for, for one. Yeah, a little breakfast Posty. Yeah. So yeah, we are. <laughs> thank you so much, Tim Baum. We we uh. Yeah. You know, I hope you're listening. I hope that you know, because you told us you were gonna, and we're gonna reach out and let you know that this is dropping. But uh, 
Thank you so much for being gracious enough to be with us. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to to spend the weekend with the fans, to spend that time with us on stage, and just to be so giving. So thank you guys for listening in, yeah. as always. So head over to CampNightmare.com for the extra stuff from this episode on the X-Files section and our online store where you can get all kinds of stuff. You can get our T-shirts, enamel pens, grinders, rolling papers, nothing is real stuff, don't tell me what to do stuff, Whatever you guys, all the things. And if you guys just want more camp and more from us, head over to patreon.com slash camp nightmare where you can get secret episodes that we do monthly. Uh, Our recent one included about a half hour of extra conversation from actor and director Sean Whalen. Um, And we got uh, some B-movie watch-alongs coming up. You get access to the Camp Discord network where you guys can chat with all our friends there. Our buddy Rob Wright is a big shout-out to Rob Wright, man. Our buddy Rob Wright is, is killing it. On that Discord server. In, in general, Patreon is a better way to, to get to know us better, yeah. for us to get to know you better, yeah. and a better way for you to communicate directly with us. And, yeah, you know, you know you want to. And to strengthen the camp fam, which is already strong you as know, heck. You know you want to know what we had for breakfast on any given day. I know. I want to know what you had for breakfast, I'll tell you that. Burger King. Ouch. At like noon. <laughs> Jalapeno poppers, yep. baby. Living my best life. <laughs> uh, and as always, guys, uh, go check out our sponsor, Special Tees, special-tees.com uh, for all your merch needs, man. They will take the fuck care of you. Yeah. Uh, so that does it for this week, guys. My name is JB. And I'm Jordan. As always, nothing is real. And don't tell us what to do. Thanks for listening to Camp Nightmare. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Slasher. And for full Campfire Tales, interviews, X-Files, and more, visit CampNightmare.com. And join our Patreon community of happy campers for monthly secret episodes, exclusive merch deals, B-movie watch-alongs, access to our Discord channel, and more. Visit Patreon.com slash Camp Nightmare.